Way. Welcome. Glad you're here with us today. I'm glad to be here with you too. If you're with us online, it's fun to be here in the room and community. So you can join us uh, any week. We'd love to have you. Um, my name's Larry. I'm one of the pastors here. And I wanted to um, start doing something a little different on our weekends and really um, sell what I think really what you value is the things that you celebrate. And uh, one thing that we really value around here is our change makers. And some of you guys are like, what's that? It's the vernacular we use for people who are serving uh, in different areas in this faith community and serving other people and really, I believe, making a change happen to see more lives transformed. And so this week, we wanted to celebrate an individual. Many of you probably saw him on your way in today. His name is Hakeem. So this is Hakeem. Yeah. Hakeem is one of our change makers. He's a, a greeter, obviously. He's a rooted facilitator. He's gone through starting point, and Hakeem is a generosity rock star. So he's completely in and dedicated to this faith community and seeing the kingdom continue to move forward. And so we're just so thankful for him. And uh, we're going to have somebody new each and every week. We're doing both campuses. And so hopefully this never ends because so many of you are like, I want to be a part of change and see that uh, happen and go forward. So thanks, Hakeem. You rock. Serious. Um, so we are in this series called Stages, and this is where this idea is that every stage of life, there's like things that we do, right? Opportunities that we have, and if we do things right in that stage, we look back and we're like, man, I'm glad I did that. Like, man, I'm glad I actually got that right or made those decisions in that stage that I was in. And at every stage of life, there's things that we should do that sometimes we don't do, right? And then we look back and we're like, oh, I really wish I had done that. I really wish I had listened to that person or that advice or like, ah, I missed that. And I believe that at every stage of life that there's stages we specifically go through that you can learn from, but I believe collectively as well, we all can learn from one another's stage. And there's things that we can take from that because ultimately the present becomes the past and then that shapes our future. I think it's really important for us to understand that right now, in the present moment, the decisions we're making, the stage that we're living in, the, the reality of it and the decisions that we're making becomes the past but shapes our future and what that looks like. There's going to be moments in our future where we look back and say, I'm so glad they told me that. I'm so thankful for that teacher who said this. I'm so glad my coach said this to me. I'm so glad my parents continue to say this over and over and again. I'm so glad my friends spoke up. I'm so glad, pastor, whatever it would be, a youth counselor, I'm so glad that this person said something to me. We could be in a stage, though, too, where in our future we look back and we say, I wish I had listened. Man, how many of us have been there? Where we look back and we're like, I wish I had listened to that advice. If I had just listened to that and then tried to figure that out and do it, things would be a lot different. Last week we began this series, Kayla was here, and we talked about the stage and that adolescent stage where we're just trying to figure out who we are, like our identity and what that is. And we have this really loud culture and world screaming at us, telling us who we are, and we wear all these name tags that have just been given to us or that we've given to ourselves that just aren't appropriate and they aren't right. And we then collectively, all ages, learned that that's just not true and it's going to continue to happen in your identity as something bigger and grander. And we were renamed by God, that he's named us loved and valued and known and enough and cared for. And because it was the adolescent time, 
the stage that we talked about, Kayla then, I feel like she was trying to one-up me here, she sang Disney songs, and I was like, you can't do that here. So I felt like I had to compete a little bit. So for this stage this week, this is what I got for you. All right, you ready? Yeah. Come on. You got that one? Little Beyonce in here? Okay, that's enough. That's all I'm doing. And I'm not singing. Take that, Kayla. And Tarzan and whatever else you say. <laughs> So if you haven't figured out, we're talking to singles. And when I'm saying singles, I'm not just talking about the singles who are ready to mingle. I'm also talking about those of you who are newly single, maybe because you got out of a relationship or maybe like a, a marriage or something that broke apart. Also those singles that are in the room that says like, I love my single problems and I would like to be single. That's who I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm called to be. And I love it. So when I'm talking to singles today, I'm talking to everyone but when I'm also talking to everyone, I mean everyone, and there's something we can learn from this stage, and there's something that all of us are going to be able to take away from today besides dancing. <laughs> there's more to this. Because in each season of life, we make decisions that shape our lives and what they're going to look like in this next stage. And so your decisions as a single person literally will shape what your future marriage looks like or your single life will look like, the decisions that we're making today and now. The goal for a single person isn't necessarily to try and get married, but to live faithfully in the stage that you're in now, fully and completely. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult because our culture is debt-fueled, it's sex-crazed, and it's just plain old dysfunctional all of the stuff that we're dealing with and that comes up. And so much of it, because of this, can be difficult to see how the wisdom of the Bible can possibly even be relevant in our lives. So many people struggle with like, yeah, yeah, like I open up this thing called the Bible and these scriptures and I look at it and they'd be like, this isn't even the world I live in. Like, how is this relevant? Like, how can I actually apply this? And this isn't what people do or this isn't really how people act. And like, it's just uncomfortable. But I really believe I really believe this, that when faith, when faith intersects with God's faithfulness, when that comes together, something happens in you and through you and when through your relationship with God and other people. Jesus had uh, been given a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in this book called Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. And uh, he had just finished giving the sermon and immediately follows up with this story. It goes like this in Matthew 7, 24. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and puts them into what? Practice. practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. This is the key. He's saying anyone who hears things and not just like thinks about it, but anyone who hears things and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Essentially saying that direction, not in, intention, determines your destination. That the direction that you actually begin to take steps to and, and to pursue and to go after and to become, not your intention to do it, not talking about doing it, not knowing what you should do, but actually taking that step into that direction will actually determine your destination, where you end up. Notice that Jesus said that wise people are the ones who put teaching into practice. Wise people put teaching into practice. It's not the one who knows the most about it. It's not the one who's most educated about the subject, 
right? You can teach a class on it, who can argue most for it or against it. It's the one who's practicing the way and the life of Jesus, a follower, someone who's becoming something. He goes on to say that there's the ones who are going to be able to handle storms, that this story was about someone who built then on a foundation of rock, which was solid, and there was others who made unwise decisions and built on sand and other things, and, the, and a storm came, not immediately, but when storms come, this person is able to handle the hardship of life in these storms. Not the one who had the right information about it, right, or the best intentions, but the ones who's actively involved in living out the way of Jesus, They're practicing. They're prepared for it. It's survivable. And there might be many great goals and plans that we have for our future, but unless we're headed in that direction and not just having an intention, we won't get there and we won't be able to handle what comes up in our life. But if we aren't living faithfully now, then we're simply just having good intentions. We're likely not to come to fruition, the things that we want. It's because that's how we shape our future. Let me give you a quick sports analogy, and you can use whatever things you know. This will be easy for you. So the sports team has a coach and trainers or motivational speakers, and they have weights and uh, fields or all the things that they need to be successful. And the coach could say every day, I'm going to give you a motivational speak every day, a speech every day of like, we're going to win. We're going to do this. We're going to study our opponent. This is how we're going to do this. See those things. We're going to watch film. We're going to gain all of this knowledge. And we're going to be in the championships. We're going to win the finals, right? But if they don't eat right and sleep well and actually go and practice what they were watching and how to play a defense or go and lift weights and show up on the field and do those things, they'll find themselves losing. Typically, they can find themselves losing to someone who doesn't have that great of a motivational speaker. You could have another team who doesn't have someone telling them every day, guys, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to go to the finals, we're going to do these things, watch this film. You'll find the people who are winning is the ones who are out there practicing, drilling, going over, preparing ahead of time. They're the ones who typically make it to the finals or win the activity that they're doing. They don't just show up on a tennis court one day and be like, oh, sweet, I've seen video of this is how this works, Right? They've practiced it, right? Your faithfulness is where you are already training. You're already in training and preparing you to be faithful for what's next. The faithfulness of this season that you're in is where you are already in this training camp where you're preparing to be faithful in whatever's next. How you do you right now is what it looks like in the future. I love how the message version says this verse in 1 Corinthians 7, 17. And it says, I won't be wishing, uh, don't be wishing you were someplace or someone else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. Being faithful in this season, in this stage that you're in, and using that as a training ground to practice, to use the wisdom that you have to become something. Being faithful where you are if you're single. You, 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 we struggle, and you can struggle because you think that if I just get married, then I'll finally be happy and content, and then I'll have everything that I need. 
You ask a person who's been married for 35 minutes, and they'll tell you that is not true. Because <laughs> they're like, yeah, now there's two of you with an opinion, right? <laughs> and doing things. You, you think, like, if I just find the right person, I'll be complete. I think this is a really messed up thing that people read in the Bible where they think, like, and two will become one and cleave. Like, that's the ultimate of, like, arriving of what the whole goal is. And I think we miss that, right? That that's not what completeness looks like. And you make yourself less than by thinking that there's someone else out there. And you finally will make you feel whole, that you can't be whole without another person or, you know, in a relationship. And you can see the same thing with like a stay-at-home mom who's like, well, if I just make some money so I'm providing, then I'll be, you know, whole and complete. Like I'll be participating in this way. Or a student who says, when I just graduate and I finally do that, then I'll be whole and complete and can be worthy and producing of something rather than recognizing how to be faithful in that season. I have a friend here at Northgate uh, who actually is going to share with us a transformational video. Um, so before I started following Jesus, I, um, I noticed this kind of like cycle of just being in relationships, like just super habitual, like I would just date to date to date, like I would be in a two-year relationship and break up and be in another two-year relationship. And this probably started maybe like when I was like 15. So that was kind of like my life from like 15 till about... Yeah, 25. So during that time, I never really gave myself a break from just being by myself. So I think when I started getting into relationships, I was always looking for that other person to make me feel like I had worth, make me feel like I have a purpose and like that I am super loved, make me feel full when really that was like, at the end of the day, when that person is gone, you have no substance, you have no, you have no idea who you are. Um, so yeah, that was like my huge motivation of like, I'm gonna be with this person, I'm gonna help them grow, that, I'm gonna find so much fulfillment in that. And that's what my, my drive was. When I became a follower of Jesus, I had just gotten out of a relationship and um, that's what prompted me to go to church. And so during that time, I was like, you know, I just gotten out of a relationship and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna date for a year. I'm just gonna give myself a year. And as I started following Jesus and I like just started to learn about just truths about like who Jesus is and how he created me and that he has a plan for me and that, you know, like my hope was completely placed in other things and like, um, you know, just things that weren't going to fulfill me like as a person and really give me that satisfaction of what it looks like to live a purposeful life. God has like really redeemed my life like completely like I can compare it back to like two years ago, like I've had certain opportunities and certain blessings that I completely missed. Everything kind of hit the fan. And so now that I'm like following Jesus and I get to like know, seek his guidance before I do anything on my own, I've seen him give me the same opportunities in a different light. And now I have like a complete change of heart and like, God, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to pursue this? And I have these huge grand like ideas, but at the end of the day, I'm like, if this is God's will, then he'll have it be for me. And I've even come to terms with like, if God wants me to be single for like the rest of my life and just pursue other people and pursue him and really be a disciple of God, then, you know, then I'm going to accept that. Like where I am right now, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to get married. Or like, I want to have kids and like be like a bomb wife, right? And so, um, 
I've even given that up to God. Like, it's really His plan, and I'm just completely faithful that He's faithful, and like that He just loves me more than I could have ever wanted somebody else to love me. Love that. Thank you, Serena. That was good. So well said. Love that. I mean, you could just listen to that again and be like, oh, there's so much richness there. Somebody who's like walking through this season and this stage of life and what they're learning from this. One of the things that I wanted to make sure I got across really clearly today for us as a faith community is that singleness is not a disease that we're trying to cure. Now, hear me here. I'm going to talk to all my friends in here because I think that we have a responsibility and an opportunity as a church, as followers of Jesus, and as a faith community where this should come from first, that we don't treat our uh, single friends very well. And I mean that by saying we feel like you're not responsible enough or you have not arrived if you haven't been married or you haven't had kids. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're like less than, right? You're 30 years old, but like you don't even know like what responsibility looks like. And unfortunately, culture can push that. I'm talking on behalf of my single friends, right? Man, culture pushes us into that space and place. And I think that we have an opportunity to embody love and value to anyone in any life stage that they're in, and that we should do that, that we should embody that completely and wholly and give them credit and responsibility and see how they're living out and there's fruit in the faithfulness of that season. Because quite frankly, even like Serena said, she's like, I can do a whole lot more things. Like I get to serve a whole lot more. I get to take care of a whole lot more. I get to be a part of work so much more. And that's just something that she's taking advantage of in that season. In fact, Paul even says this. He actually gives an example of someone choosing to marry or someone choosing not to marry, and he says that the one who chooses not to marry does better. (laughs) It's in 1 Corinthians 7. So let us stop acting like singles are less than and help them and learn from them how to fully embrace and become someone for the future. So to kind of end our time here, I wanted to give some really practical, tactical things that all of us can, can use. But if you're a, a single person and you're looking to like be ready for that next stage and that person, if you're looking for a person or any of us, if we're wanting to be a better person, there's some really beautiful things that we can learn from the Bible. There are three very simple things. They're right up in your face. They're practical and tactical. Let's just hop into it. First one is this, get out of debt. Before you move into this next season and stage of your life, the Bible's all about it. Talks about how much the finances or financial burden is a weight upon you, and even a spiritual, mental, emotional, you're thinking about all the time. So the best thing that you can do for yourself is to be ready for the future and a future relationship is to get out of debt. Yeah. Number two, preach. <laughs> Number two is stay out of bed. Stay out of bed. Didn't get a yeah for that one, huh? No, I'm joking. <laughs> stay out of bed right? It sounds like uh, countercultural and like, oh, this is the part where it's just uncomfortable because nobody does this stuff. But stay out of bed. It talks about this. Flee from these things. So again, you're not carrying baggage of things that you would value yourself right now to be prepared to value someone else in the future. So stay out of bed. And the third one is this. Clean out your closet. (laughs) Clean out your closet. There's like dysfunction or things that have happened to you in the past that's horrific Take some time and work on it, right? Because there's all these things that's inputted. And Jesus even talks about like, hey, the food you eat goes in, but what comes out of your mouth is from the heart. 
And there can be dysfunction that unfortunately, whether you decided to be a part of it or didn't decide to be a part of it, that has been an input into you. And that can come out from the heart and it can be hurtful to other people and it can really and then hurt you and yourself. So take some time and clean up the closet. Go to therapy. Go see someone. Go talk to someone. Invest into that. Now, why is this so important, right? Not just because you're going to be a better you, you're going to feel better, but you're going to take some time to get right with God and with yourself. But when you finally find that person, what do you want to see in the person you find? You want to see this, that they have gotten out of debt, that they have stayed out of bed, and they have cleaned out their closet. Don't you want that from someone else, right? You're like, yeah, that's what I want, right? You meet someone, and they're gotten out of debt, and they come up, and they're like, oh, man, yeah, I had all these student loans, and like I had a car loan. I was like, I just don't even want to do that. I feel like I just need to work really hard and get a debt because I just don't want to carry that stuff in the future. And you would sit there and be like, check, out of debt. I like that. You were a little short, but you're looking taller now. Like, right? Hey. Mm-hmm. Right? I just didn't think this was really important. You know, like I even paid off, and like I own my house. And you're like, own my house? Oh, wow, I'll deal with the hair. (laughs) It's all these good things, right? Versus the person that comes up and they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I got all this debt from this thing and I use this car and I kind of just, I feel like I just need to live my best life, right? YOLO. And, you know, like I got a $30,000 car debt payment thing and you're like, oh, my gosh, Like, I don't even want you to bring that in here. And by the way, I see most, like, this is what I see most often is people actually really want to get married and they want to honor one another, but they don't because they feel like they can't because the financials just don't make sense. It's all jacked up, right? So it's like, oh, this is no good. Like, I still want to be a part of this, right? So the same thing. Stay out of bed, right? You want to see somebody that stayed out of bed? You meet that person and she's like, yeah, I was in college. I kind of moved in with my boyfriend afterwards that worked for like a year and a half. And then afterwards, I was like, that's just not who I want to be and what I want to be in the future. And I really just want to give myself to someone who's important in the person in the future. You'd be like, yes, I love your story, right? This is good. Or that guy who's like, I don't even know if this exists, but I literally might be like the last virgin in the United States of America, <laughs> but I went to church and I had good people invested into me and I really feel it was important to give myself wholly and completely to just one person and you'd be like, this is beautiful, right? (laughs) I really love this story, right? That's what I want. Because the other side of it is is to be like, look, experience is important. So I think you don't have any experience, so why don't you just take a year and go get a lot of experience and then come back and then we'll go out, right? No one does that. That's literally what we think, like, oh, hey, this got to do this. No one actually wants that, right? It's important. We want to be this for someone else. The, other, the last one is clean out your closet. You want somebody that's cleaning out their closet, that person that you meet that comes up and they're like, yeah, like I had all these issues and this dysfunction and identity problem. And so like I spent the last year in my own money to like go to counseling and work it out so that when I was hanging out with somebody else or in my future life, like I'd be kind of okay. Uh, yes, this is great. Check. I love that. Rather than that person who, you know, rolls up and, and, and she's like, yeah, I hate my mom, right? And like my family's a mess. And you're like, well, we'll just hate your mom together and then you'll hate me. Like it's going to be great. I can't look forward. Let's do life, right? <laughs> Let's do all the dysfunction. You had a chaotic house. Woo, here we go, right? You're like, don't, no, right? 
If this is the good news for you someday, why not become that and why not become who you're looking for now? And this is a, a, you know, all of us and conversation. We have an opportunity to get things right. We have an opportunity to do this to become something we're supposed to be. And here's what we're here for. Here's what we're here for. When, when our faith, when our faith in the season actually intersects with God's faithfulness in these seasons, something happens to us in a relationship with God and those around us. And it's beautiful. It's the things that we can learn from in this stage and that we can learn from of other people in these stages. And we cannot just say, like, I wish I had. But we get to do, and we get to participate, and we get to give, and we get to love because we're becoming something. So here's some next steps for you to take, like some tangible next steps. One of you is this, is identify an area that you want to be true of you in three years from now. Identify an area that, that could use some work, that you could be faithful in the season and be like, okay, I want this to be true of me in the future. I want this to be true there. I want to be able to hang my hat on this and to be able to say, you know what? I worked hard at this. I became this. This is true of me now. And this was God's faithfulness, me training and practicing like a wise person in this season. So God had great use for me in that future season. For some of you, it honestly might be, uh, if you're here in the room, it might be to, like Serena, take a year off. It's like a big deal. Like, some of you are like, oh my gosh, this is like, ah, that's like freaking me out and it's scary. That was a beautiful testimony of what it looked like to take a year off. And what happened was she figured out how to like fix the relationship with her and God and then her and herself. And then I love this. She feels like then I'm actually able to give that to someone else and participate together if so willing it happens. But if not right now, I know that I'm loved and I have an identity that's deeply rooted. Deeply rooted. So maybe for you, it's a, it's a big bite, right? It feels overwhelming and you find yourself just in that cycle over and over and over again. Maybe take that challenge and say, hey, February 23rd starts. I'll see you in a year. I mean, not really. I mean, you should keep coming back. But like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you'll see me in a year as something new that God did a new work in and made something new in. I think those are some really great steps that we can take and some really great ways that all of us can learn from these stages in life. Would you stand with me? Um, some of you walked in here maybe for the first time today and, and you're like, okay, we talked about singles. It's really great. Like, is that all we're talking about? And so I wanted to share with you just a little bit more. Um, Yesterday, even yesterday, this room was filled to the brim, like overflowing as we did a memorial service for one of our staff members' uh, children. And there were so many people here that showed up looking for hope and love and community and so much more. And so maybe you showed up here today looking for the same thing. And you're like, okay, we talked about the singleness thing. Like, I can become something, and I can be wise about my future decisions, and that could be all good, but, like, what else? I want to boil our theology down really quickly to what this is. We really believe that there's nothing so dead in your life that God cannot resurrect. That if you came in here and you find yourself just in this dead place, 
or you don't understand purpose or identity or value or just it's just constantly a mess that, that what he does, he makes things alive. And we see this through Jesus, that God does not desire your death here and now, that he wants a resurrected you. He wants an eternal you. We also know this, that God, God makes broken things mended on this side of eternity, that there's nothing in your life so broken that he cannot do a mending work in. If you allow him to do that through a process and a spirit and what he can do and give you hope and help and healing in areas that feel so broken and that there's nothing so lost that cannot be found, that he will find you in the darkest place, the darkest things, and bring it into the light because that's what he does. He'll shine a light onto your path. He'll give you a way to go. He'll give you an understanding of a new you. And he'll give you a love and a warmth that only he can give. So if that's you here today, don't leave this place without just taking a step in that direction to see where that leads. And we have a really easy first step for you. It's this journal. It's called This Changes Everything. It's uh, out there in the lobby. As you go out to the left, there's a little living room area. We would love to give one of these to you as a free gift. It's just a 21-day walkthrough of, like, what does this even look like? Go and begin that journey and find healing in God. Let him do what he does, because only he can do it. Um, if uh, anyone's here uh, for the first time, so glad you're here. Give us a couple weeks, get to know us. Next week, we're talking about marriage, and you married people, you're not off the hook. And then after that, we're talking to the older folks. I'm not putting an age frame on that, because I don't want to be offensive, but we're going to have big font on the screen. It's going to be great. No. Oh, oh, you did Oh, he did. He did that. And for those of you uh, who would be excited about this, uh, for the first time in just over a year, our former founding pastor is going to come back and give a message, uh, Ken. So he's coming on the Older Folk Weekend. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm super pumped. <laughs> um, so come back. Give us a couple weeks. Get to know us. Uh, it's a safe place. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. We have 50 high school kids at camp right now. are actually getting ready to drive back right now. Yeah, it's great. And it's because of your generosity um, that they get to be in community like that. And, uh, and it's really because of your generosity we get to do a whole lot of things that sees our homes, communities, and world transform. So thank you for all of those things. I would love to send you off with a blessing. We have this posture of receiving and giving up. May you this week experience a faith that intersects with God's faithfulness and see something happen in your relationship with him. Go in peace, friends. I love you. I'll see you next week. Beautiful.